Hi, my name is Maddie Lawson. My name is Lily Stickley. My name is Reese Koski. My name is Caitlin Pia. And we're students at Kalamazoo College. Today we're going to be interviewing two women from a local group called Sati to talk about their experiences with belonging and giving back to their community. And now here to introduce themselves are our guests. My name is Nalini Kureshi, and I'm a sociologist by training from Michigan State University, where I taught part-time, and I also taught at Western Michigan University. I'm originally from Kathmandu, Nepal, although I have lived in many, many different places. And uh, home, though, for me is Kalamazoo, where I've lived more than any other place. Uh, I'm Namita Sharma. I am an attorney here in town. I grew up in Kalamazoo. I immigrated from Nairobi, Kenya when I was four and a half. And um, other than going away for college and, basic, and living in Ann Arbor where my kids were born, we basically have lived in Kalamazoo for quite some time. We'd love to share some of the backstory of Sati with the audience that may not know anything about the group. Could you share how and why you started Sati and anything else important that you think would be important for the audience to know about your work as a group? Uh, Sati really started as a gift to my husband for his 75th birthday. The last few years we've gone through some really challenging health crises and because things looked better, uplifting. I really want to mark his 70th birthday in a big way. Uh, initially, I was hoping to do a big party, <laughs> as we always do, uh, to celebrate such occasions. But because COVID did not go away, um, what I did was instead to give 75 gift bags, treat bags, that deliver to porches uh, outdoors to 75 of our satis, close satis, sati meaning friend. And in addition to that, I want to give 75 hot meals to the unhoused community. Um, I never made it to the 75 treat bags. So if anybody of my friends are out there listening to this, if you didn't get one, I never got it to 75. But we did get uh, maybe 60 fold of hot meals to the unhoused community. And, and still going, so over 4,000 meals. So to me, that's the bigger accomplishment, the bigger celebration of his birthday. Um, when I went to deliver those hot meals in a very, during the polar vortex in February, I think it was minus 10, minus 20 degrees temperature, I was appalled to see the unhoused community living in tents on the snow did not think it could happen in this country, let alone in my own hometown. So the delivering those meals was just the tip of the iceberg. So I said, oh, we can't stop here. I mean, this is really inhumane. We just need to keep going and do something about the situation. So I came home and I have different WhatsApp groups. So I reached out to each of them and said, you know, this is the situation. This is what I saw. Anybody wants to help here? And I had a, just a phenomenal response. And because um, I'm friends with a lot of Pakistanis, my husband's from Pakistan, Nepalis, I'm from Nepal, a lot of Indian friends, a lot of Bangladeshi friends. So all of them just came forward. And I tried to find a name that would unify us all, that was common to all these cultures. And and also would describe the mission that we were behind. 
and the word sati. That's what I liked. Sati means friend. So our mission then is to befriend and stand in unity with the unhoused community. So, you know, to stand in unity. So that's how the word sati came about, and that's how the organization came about. And today we're about 75 members. And my own background, I think a global background, because um, my dad was in the United Nations, well, initially in the Foreign Service, as ambassador and Foreign Service in the United Nations. So we really moved from country to country. So I think I accumulated many friends all over the world. And to me, um, you know, it was just natural to make friends with different nationalities, different religions, different cultures. And reaching out to all these communities and bringing them all together was just something I grew up with. So we learned that your first and foremost agenda is to befriend and stand with unity with our own house community. Would you like to tell us a bit about how that looks and why is it so important to you? Or any experiences that you may have had that stick out to you specifically that you'd like to share? When I first started, it was during the polar vortex <laughs> and it was so, so frigidly cold, unseasonably cold. I mean, one of the coldest winters we've had. And it just bothered me when I would get up at night to even go get something from the garage for five minutes from my heated house, heated bed. I could not even bear to be in my garage for more than two or three minutes. And every moment of that, I think about how are people living 24-7 in the snow? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I cannot stand five minutes, how are they living continuously? Um, it, it just preyed on me a lot. <laughs> Uh, to, to think about that this could happen. And, um, oh, so our first agenda was really just survival for them, to get them through these bitter cold months, hot meals, heat, tents, blankets, coats, comforters, socks, whatever we could do to keep them just warm and fed was I think our primary agenda at that point. And then as time went on, um, some of them got housed in a hotel project. They still needed food and they still needed supplies. Um, many of them could not bring everything that they had in the encampment to the hotels with them. Um, we found in one of the hotels, there was even a lot of children. So uh, we continued with the meals. We continued with supplies, whatever children needed. A lot of people needed diapers, toys, so whatever supplies. Um, in fact, to make it fun, we even scheduled food trucks <laughs> to come to the parking lots of the hotel and so that the children could have fun, something different and entertaining. And uh, even the adults made a nice picnic. Luckily, it was doing good weather, so they got the food from the food trucks and had a nice picnic. So we did that about three or four times, the food truck, just to mix it up a bit and make it nice. Then uh, the other thing we were doing is individually packaged meals because of COVID. So sometimes it was a challenge for us to do that because we weren't getting together either. We were, you know, trying to be distanced. So what I do is assign uh, people 20, 20, 20 to cook. And sometimes we were cooking for 175 people. You know, the mm -hmm. encampments, the two different hotels, and sometimes 175 people. It's for anybody to package that and keep it hot and deliver it hot was just too much of a challenge. 
So I assigned 20, 20, 20, 20, and the people would get together and give it. And we had volunteer servers with whom we could not do without, because they were the ones who really came and picked up the food and went to the encampments to serve the food. So really, we could not do what we we're doing without them. And you know, I'll talk more about those wonderful volunteer servers who are really the boots on the ground. Um, so that's one model that we followed to have it individually hot packaged meals. The other t model was we'd pair with hotels, uh, uh, restaurants. Um, many of them, when I explained what we were doing, were really very generous. Some, of course, couldn't because they were hurting themselves during COVID. We're having a hard time with staffing, with losing money themselves. So, you know, they would like to, but some couldn't. But those who did partner with us, sometimes they gave us at-cost meals. So, you know, just whatever their cost price was. Other times uh, they partnered with us. And if I ordered, like for instance, one restaurant, I ordered 175 meals from them. They matched with 175 meals of their own. Now, another, yet another restaurant gave us 80 free meals in addition to the ones that I had ordered. So they all tried to partner with us, which was a big support and a big community effort. So it, you know, it was very, very nice. And the good part about partnering with the restaurants was that they would package it individually too. So although I'd get the main dish from them, mm -hmm. the hot course, then we would supplement, you know, the, the drinks, the, the dessert, the bread, the, the fruit to go with that. So we supplement additionally. In our class, we spent a lot of time discussing Brian Ballester's belongingness hypothesis, or the idea that belonging is an intrinsic human motivation. For the rest of our time together today, we're going to explore the way the women of Sati witnessed belonging and experienced it for themselves in their advocacy work. How and why did you join Sati as a group? And is there anything you'd like to share with the audience about your work within that group? Well, I um, started this group because primarily a good friend, Nalini Qureshi, had started sort of gathering people. She has a large network of South Asian women. Uh, we often get together. She gets together with different groups. There are many South Asian women here in Kalamazoo. And um, I got started because Nalini made the call kind of on a WhatsApp group chat to say that there's this thing going on where we really need to pay attention. And let's first address the immediate immediate needs of the people in the community who are houseless. And then eventually we can address systemic issues that have led to this and sort of do advocacy work. But first let's do the immediate needs. So I think all of that because she has such a great network and so much love in this our South Asian community amongst the women as a friend to so many who she does a lot for others. We were happy to kind of all, even though we're from des you know, very different backgrounds, some are Gujarati, some are uh, Christian Indians, some are uh, Pakistanis, some are Muslim, some are Hindus, but we've all decided that this is a joint effort that uh, we wanted to do to address a need in our community. And Nalini has really organized us and spearheaded everything. Having a large group, she felt like she belonged and made the whole project possible. This possibility was a good start, but because the situation with the unhoused community in Kalamazoo has changed so rapidly, especially within the past year, Sati's focuses have been very dynamic. Well, like I said, we've had to 
change our strategy and pivot and be dynamic and flexible along with the changing situation. Like when they were, you know, doing the polar vortex, then they moved to the hotel, then the hotel project ended. They were back in the encampments. And in that part, there were other resources. So we weren't focusing on the meals as much, but focusing on the, with the heat wave and, and getting ice water, cold water to them. You know, uh, there are other needs. Uh, with the rains, the, the floods there, the rains, getting them gear to keep them warm, I mean, to, to keep them dry, or to get uh, plastic lidded containers to keep their belongings dry. You know, so, so we kept changing as the needs arose. Um, then, when there was that first eviction um, for them, a lot of us wrote, it was more advocacy, wrote, you know, to uh, our city and county leaders and emailed and phone calls asking, you know, what long-term plan did they have for them? And so I think our next step will be advocacy. Like, like Namita said, our first course was really just survival for them, immediate needs, and then long-term think about long-term goals and where we need to go with our homeless community as a society. Also in our class, we've learned about the concept of mutuality, or the idea that in a mutual exchange, a person is both being affected by and affecting the other person. In the context of this advocacy work, this is demonstrated when the women of Sati's own senses of belonging are impacted as a result of the outreach work they're doing. Okay, something I'd love to hear from both of you guys. How has working as a group with Sati impacted your sense of belonging within the community of Kalamazoo? and with other South Asian women in the area? So, interestingly, in the Sati group, there are some of us like Namita and myself who have lived here so many decades and decades, right? And really feel committed to Kalamazoo, okay? Feel vested in this community. Um, there are others in the Sati group who have come here more recently, and there are others yet who have moved away, who used to live in Kalamazoo and moved away but yet continue to support Sati because they feel so strongly about Kalamazoo as a community too. It's a wonderful community to live in that we've grown up in. So it's so heartwarming to see that people who have lived here forever, people who have just newly arrived and, and want to be part of this community and others who have yet moved away, but Kalamazoo still stays on in their hearts. They moved away from Kalamazoo, but Kalamazoo still in their hearts are also contributing and donating to Sati. So, that's wonderful to see that community feeling and I think you know part of who we are as a small community I think is a great place to live and as a recent article said that Kalamazoo is one of the best places to live because it's if it's coolness and affordability and I think it's really because of the warmth of the people you know <laughs> yeah. and the giving nature of, of the uniqueness of, of the community is what makes Sati. The other thing about belonging and the commitment is um, a lot of the people always wanted to donate. You know, uh, people think, oh, the South Asians are a very insular community or within themselves. No, that's not true. They, they give a lot back in different ways, invisible ways. And they've always wanted to. I think they were just not aware, as I was not the first time, of, you know, the gravity of the situation, of the extent of the situation, living in, you know, doing a polar vortex, living in the snow intense. So 
when they became aware of it, they immediately, you know, came forward. And it was just so generous and so heartwarming to see so many people come forward saying, we've always wanted to do this. We just didn't know how. And, you, you know, now we have a platform. Thank you for providing a platform. And so that's how people really want, you know, came forward and did this. Um, they were appalled at because they thought, you know, growing up in a third world country, you see poverty around you, you grow up with it. They just never imagined that it could happen here in the United States. You see, see people, people living in such dire situations. Um, so that's sort of wanting to give back to the community and always wanting to do it and just finding the right platform, the right way to do it. What do you think really makes it possible for Kalamazoo to be a place where you are able to belong? Like what factors have allowed you to develop that sense. And I think you've touched on this a little bit in discussing Sati as a group, um, but if there's anything else that you'd like to share in terms of belonging and what that means to you. I think the smallness of the community, where you can walk into a store and run into five different people who know you, <laughs> or the personalized service that you can get from a pharmacist that knows you over the years. You know, it's just that the personal attention, the connection with people, it's really, I think, Calibus is mostly the people, the warmth of the community. Mm -hmm. And how much that uh, the, how much has gone into building this community by benefactors yeah. in terms of the Kalamazoo Promise, in terms of the grants to the city, the grants to the university, how much other people who are so vested in this. Um, being small, it, it has everything. It has great restaurants, it has theater, it has everything, and it has parking everywhere you want to go, <laughs> most importantly. Right, we've been yeah. in big cities and we both know what that's like. We have relatives in Chicago, in New York, New Jersey, D.C., you know, all over. You you have, Melanie, and I, I will tell you also because it's a university town, Yes. two institutions, both my, my parents taught at Western, uh, Nalini's husband taught at Western, Nalini taught at Western. I think having a university community, which lends itself to a lot of cultural richness, uh, is wonderful. When I was growing up, we only had, in Kalamazoo when I moved here, we, you know, there were only like five families, so uh, Indian families. And um, it's grown so much uh, in the South Asian community. But we used to be able to go to Sangren Hall at Western every Friday night or every month maybe to see an Indian movie. And you know, back then you didn't have DVDs and you know all of that stuff. So it was really like hard to get these foreign films. And but it was a way to kind of get together, celebrate Diwali. You know, and so this community allowed those types of things to happen from a very. I mean, for me, from a very very young age and then of course as it's grown the um, the sense of belonging because of sort of how generous and giving as Melanie was saying this community really is you kind of feel compelled to be part of it somehow. Members of the group identify strongly with their South Asian heritage therefore it was important to hold the group as a community for South Asian women. There is a diverse range of backgrounds visible within the group, but having this common identity allowed them to feel visible and included from the beginning. In Laura Richmond and Mark Leary's article on discrimination and social threat, they explore the correlation between having key things in common with a group and feeling belonging within it. 
When people are highly identified with their group, they feel a strong sense of belonging and have greater access to people with, to whom they feel a social connection and on whom they can depend, they said. Because of their experiences as immigrants, the women of Sati were very intentional about creating exactly that kind of environment. We intentionally did keep it as a South Asian women's group of all faiths and um, even some different you know, countries, but South Asian women. But, and the Palestinian. And, and one Palestinian. But it is a, it is a feeling of community that doesn't always just gather. It's, mm -hmm. But it's communi communication thanks to social media because of her writing on WhatsApp and alerts and needs. And hey, the meal train on the Coalition for the Homeless has two openings or three openings. Can you sign up? And she'll post the link right there. So that's just a feeling of like one person kind of... Mm -hmm making everybody feel part of something bigger than just the individual. And that just feels tremendous. That feels like we can make a real difference. And while these women have made a difference and are continuing to make a difference in the community, they've also learned some valuable lessons along the way. One thing I've learned from this group, from doing what I'm doing, is, well, three things I've learned. Humility, that while we're doing the best we can, there's a lot more that a lot of other people are doing that I really admire and appreciate. And uh, humility, so, and gratitude in terms of, I think, realizing that the circumstances under which people become homeless, looking at, hearing their personal stories, we're all just a few steps away from being there. You know, yeah. by virtue of luck, circumstance, whatever you call it, we, you know, it could be us or someone we know. Uh, the other thing is to be non-judgmental because the stereotypes of the homeless, of, you know, why they're homeless, uh, realize that there's so many different circumstances to why people are homeless. And so non-judgmental is another thing. Yeah. So breaking stereotypes was really, really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I enjoyed the fact I volunteer, as Melanie has also, for the, lots of different groups. I'm mm -hmm. a board president of two different nonprofits, and I've volunteered on the boards for um, different years. But having um, other South Asian women, I feel like that was a really fun way to sort of say, this is a community that exists and that does good things and has very good people in it and want to make a difference. And I know that that's always been true, but as the beginning of this conversation sort of started, people didn't know how to give or where to give or what to do. You're not necessarily invited, you know, and sometimes you just have to invite yourself or have a, a trusted person invite you in order to feel like you belong. And you do belong, everybody belongs somewhere. Um, and that's another thing I think we've learned is that these are communities, you know, the unhoused, that's their little village. You know, they look out for each other, they protect each other. There was somebody stealing from tents when they went to get like food and, and they for were showers. For showers, you know, and you hear about these things. But anyway, everybody belongs somewhere. And so it's sometimes just inviting yourself to the table. Sometimes somebody invites you, but everybody can belong somewhere and that's an important thing to know and it's just um, trying things out finding your way you know it's trial and error 
sometimes you learn, um, we've learned some mistakes as well on things that they don't like to eat. They may not have very good teeth. You know, don't give apples anymore as a donation or something like that. Or make a soft applesauce because their teeth are not always good with the very, very um, bad dental care that you get. You know, if, you're, you, if you don't have teeth left, they get pulled. I had a client one time tell me that, you know, poor people get their teeth pulled, rich people get, you know, implants. <laughs> so, yeah. Right? And um, anyway, so some of the things that we've learned, and sometimes you learn from your mistakes more than you learn from your successes. So we've learned a few things, and uh, I think that's also true for which group you belong to. You just have to keep trying. And that idea concludes our interview really well, that belonging isn't a one-step process, that it might look different for everyone, but everyone belongs somewhere. Thank you so much for listening.